Hi, my name's Amber, and I found that being in a group has helped me drown out the voice of my inner critic and reminds me that my creative work is valuable. Hey, my name is Emily, and I have learned that yes, I am an artist, and I can say that now. Hi, my name is Buffy, and in this group, I have learned to become more aware of myself as a woman and as an emerging artist on a journey toward reaching a creative goal. Hey, everybody, this is a bonus episode of Artist Soapbox. Hello, and welcome to Artist Soapbox, a podcast featuring triangle area artists talking about their work, their plans, their manifestos. I am Tamara Kassane. This is a special bonus episode about the first Artist Soapbox Creative Accountability Group that Mara Thomas and I co-facilitated in May. In this episode, we debrief the experience, describe some learnings, disclose bits of our own creative resistance, and celebrate the strides we all made as participants together. If you're curious about whether a creative accountability group is for you, or you're just curious about our perfectionism and imposter syndrome, then just listen up. Special thanks to Mara for being a deeply fabulous co-facilitator. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Mara. Hi. We're here to talk about our first creative accountability group that we just wrapped up a week ago, less than a week ago. That's right. So the Artist Soapbox Creativity Group was a small group. We met for two hours once a week from 7.30 to 9.30 for five weeks. Every week there was a different theme or topic, and we were flexible depending on the needs of the group. But the emphasis really was on the individuals driving their own work and their own process. In addition to that, we had a Facebook group that was private to the group and people would check in. We would post additional resources there and kind of monitor how things were going over the course of the time that we weren't face-to-face. During our weeks, we talked about things like imposter syndrome, habit pairing. Creative resistance. Creative resistance, planning, longer-term planning, uh, rituals for getting into the work using your own self as a as a resource, kind of keying into your inner mentor. We talked about goal setting and doing things kind of brick by brick, creativity as a cumulative process. So we really covered quite a variety. When I was actually looking back at the things that we covered, I was shocked. <laughs> I was like, wow, we really, in two hours, we kind of really got to a lot of stuff. Mara, why did we start this <laughs> Why group? did we do this? Well, I think one of the reasons – we specifically chose to do this in a group format rather than individual one-on-one coaching. And for me, something I've found when I've done work in groups is other people in the group are resonating back to me things that are relevant for me. Also, there's something to something about being in a group – And having other people point out things to you that are right in front of your face that you aren't seeing. So there, for me, there's something very valuable in the group dynamic to honor those things in us that are so close that we just can't see them and, you know, get feedback and input from, from more than one person. 
Do you remember any examples of something that was right in front of your face that it took somebody else to mention? Yes, I do. I was doing some individual sharing with one of the group members, sort of how we started every week was to pair up and talk about what you did this week. And, you know, this is mostly what did you do in terms of moving your creative project forward or your creativity? And the creative project in my head was this play that I'm writing and, you know, the progress that I wanted to make around the play and I hadn't done very much. And the person I was talking to said, well, didn't you just close a play that you were in that I was in? Did you count that as part of your creativity for the week? I'm like, uh, no, even though it was like many hours of my week spent acting in and traveling to and being a part of this production. Like, I just didn't even consider that that was creative time spent. I was really struck by our, by our, I mean, like mine and, but everybody else is in the room, our inclination to really focus on what we didn't accomplish. Like that was, I think, everybody's default way of being. You know, it's, it's, I set this goal. I didn't meet this goal. I didn't get this done. That's sort of where we want to go when we report back to our people. And I really liked the shift to let's think about what we did accomplish this week. And that was a great example that you just gave of, okay, so maybe you didn't check off the thing at the top of your list of to-dos, but look at all this other stuff that you did do where you moved forward creatively and you it was time well spent and figure out what you got from that and how that fed this other thing that you're doing creatively. And I feel, I feel like that shift of paying attention to what what we are getting done, despite all of the other obstacles and obligations that we had in our life, I found to be really comforting. And I think the people in the group responded really positively to that once we got the hang of it. I totally agree. And I think even by the second or third week, there was such a shift in the energy of the room around the reporting. I think that that second week, maybe there was a little bit of dread. And then the third week, it was totally different. And every person to a person as they reported on their on their partner, they did so much this week, and they you know rattled off you know five, six, seven, eight different things that that had happened. And it was really affirming to know in a few cases, they specifically said, "And I knew that I had to come and do this this right. week. So that really pushed me. It really pushed me to to want to be able to talk about the things that I did. Mm-hmm. So that was like, woo. When? Yeah, I mean, since you and I participated as, you know, in in being in the creativity group as well as facilitating it, we had the experience of both sides. And I agree. I mean, knowing that I was going to have to come and report to my partner and then to the larger group about what I worked on this week was really motivating. And I was thinking about this earlier today about how the experts always recommend that you know, the, the important thing to do is to pay attention to the things that are the most important and not the most urgent. And that in our daily lives, what we're trying to do is just 
get the, get to the most urgent things because they're the things that that pop up. It's like whack-a-mole. Mm-hmm. And I'm a super whack-a-mole person. Like I will try mm-hmm. and get things off my plate as quickly as possible as they come up and not paying attention to what might be the the most important items that I need to get done. And I feel like the nice thing about this accountability group is that it made the important stuff, the urgent stuff, because people knew they were going to come back and report on it. So that became urgent. So we said, it is important for you to do this creative work. You said it's important to you. That's why you're here. That's why we're all here. Now also let's make it urgent because there's going to be some accountability on the other side. And I thought that was really, I don't know, it just really worked for me. I had heard somebody speak to that point that you just made in in a way that put it in terms of the, the things that are important but not as urgent are actually the things that lead toward your liberation. Mm-hmm. So, and that resonated with me, this idea of I can keep, I can do the busy work. I can do busy work all day, but it isn't actually moving me forward on my own unique path. So, um, whether or not the word liberation, you know, <laughs> but I just, that, that really struck me that I think a lot of us were so busy with our with our blinders on, just focused on the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, rather than saying, is this stuff really important? Is it worth all the time that I'm spending on it? What if I say no to a few of these things to make room for these other things that really, truly feed my soul? I think we saw evidence of that happening in the group where people made discoveries about themselves They were fairly significant next steps that they wanted to take with their life where they wanted to take a certain project, the reaffirmation of the value of this creative work in their lives. I think people had had become separated from that part of their lives. Some people had become separated from that part of their lives and didn't really feel the value of it in that deep way. And I think some people got back in touch with that in a, in a really significant way. And something about the group support of that took it to another level. I don't think that people would have had that same discovery if it was just them in their rooms working away. Something about that distance that you were talking about, the perspective. It's like when you're when you're involved in creative work, it can often be like, trying to describe trying to describe what your hand looks like when your palm is like right in front of your face. You know, there's just no perspective. There's no distance there. And so to to get together in a group and see that other people are coming up against these same kinds of obstacles or the same kind of mindset that's stopping them or they somebody suggests this new tool or this new resource that can kind of just give you a little nudge over you know, to the other side. It's it was really I don't know. It just it it went beyond my expectations of of what this group was going to do for people and for myself. Yeah, I agree. And to echo part of that, the the similarities of the obstructions that we come up against, no matter what our creative pursuit is. You know, in the group we had a writer and a painter and a musician and a dancer and you know, no two people had the exact same creative path. And yet things like imposter syndrome, things like perfectionism, they those show up for everybody, regardless of of the of your pursuit. So it's there's that solidarity and hey, I see you, I get it, I, me too. And here's how here's how I push through it. I think is is was useful and helpful. 
You mentioned this when, when we were talking, and I, I totally agree. It was not like a writer's club mm-hmm. because of the variety of different types of, of work that people were doing. We weren't sitting around talking about how to make – like the, the details of how to make a particular type of work. It wasn't about that at all. It was very process-oriented, and it was very, I think, mindset-oriented, and it was also a lot of internal – work. So I think you and I believe that as individuals, we have wisdom within us. It's just a matter of calling that out. And so I think a lot of this creative accountability group work, interestingly enough, even though it was in a group, was really about getting to know ourselves individually and trusting that we have a real understanding of what we need to thrive creatively trying to accept that, trying to be kind to ourselves as artists and individuals and have a sense of ease with this instead of bullying ourselves into doing the work. I wonder if the group setting and that built-in camaraderie, the built-in support actually opens up space for the individual work. When When you know that you aren't, you don't have to please and perform and perfect, you can actually sit for a while in your authenticity, in yourself, and, and get at what you're, what you're trying to do. You're not trying to cover it up with all these other things. Like you, your baseline is, I know when I walk into that room, I'm supported. Mm-hmm. I don't have anybody that I need to impress. Mm-hmm. I don't have to show off. I don't have to, to, you know, puff up or make myself bigger or hide my insecurities. It's all fine. Mm-hmm. So when you when you know that, that provides this sort of safe barrier for you to to dive deeper or take risks or yeah, you know. because no, I, I totally agree because it's not we're not critiquing each other's art, mm-hmm. right? I don't. Yeah. I never saw anybody's writing or. Painting. Like painting or anything. I mean, I wasn't there to critique their work and nobody else was there to do that. I don't mm-hmm. give a crap what what they are making. It's the making. It's the mm-hmm. process and supporting, seeing that as valid and trying to encourage that. And I think – and it's, it's so it's permission giving. One of the things that I love about you is your openness to what you and I call the woo. But I love this because I think it gives me permission to go to a place that I really need to go to, which is, I don't know, I'm so, I get so caught up in productivity and the practical, like, how do I do this as quickly as possible? Give me the tools. Boom, 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 boom. Like, I just, I want to tell people, like, if you follow these five steps, then you'll get to the end. You know what I mean? And that is definitely my orientation. And I think sometimes it serves me well, but I think it also has cut off access to some of this wisdom that we're talking about that I think you cultivate in yourself, but also cultivate in other people. And I think that the the guided meditation that you led is a really good example of that. In one of the later weeks, people seem to respond to that really favorable. And I am an eye roller when it comes to me- these kinds of guided visualizations and meditations. I'm like, oh my God, like I have 15 minutes to, you know, like lay on the you know, floor. You know how much I could get done? Right. You just want me to sit with my eyes closed? Come it's, on. It's totally, like totally go there. I'm like, if I have 15 minutes, I'm not laying on the floor thinking about like going into the solar system or whatever. But 
But I loved it. Like I had so many, so many revelations doing that. I would not have done it otherwise. So, I mean, that's the other thing. I think we, we, we brought up a variety of different types of activities and experiences, even just in five weeks. So if one thing didn't float your boat, then the next thing might. And um, people brought in their own topics that they wanted to talk about. So we were able to kind of flex because it was a small group. And and there was that nice balance, I think, of community reflection and self-reflection and conversations in pairs. And so for people who um, have different ways of interacting with others or different preferences, I think we tried to have a little something for everybody. I think the content that we were presenting really lent itself well to what I feel like is that balance of a creative practice, which is the practical day-to-day stuff. If you want to write something, you need to sit down and write it. <laughs> you can't you can't guide meditate yourself <laughs> into a finished play. That's right. just not possible. Um, so the, the the very practical. We talked a lot about habits and how to make your creativity part of a you know a daily practice. But then also the space that does allow for the liminality and opening up space for to let this stuff come through you. I mean, I really do feel like I am I'm a channel for this. Mm-hmm. And I call in the creativity, call in what I need. And yeah, again, the, that balance of the, the the practical and the woo of mm-hmm. with creativity, there there is this nebulous thing that you can't you can't define, you can't wrap your hands around it, but it's it's a, a real thing. It is a real thing, but it's also <laughs> an individual thing mm-hmm. when you get down to the really get into the details. So part of this process of this five weeks for I think a lot of people was discovering how they need to structure their lives to support their creative habits. So do you need to do it in the morning, in the evening, every day, every other day? How much time? Do you need a ritual to get into it or get out of it? How do you record it? Like what kind of space do you need to be in mentally and physically and emotionally to make this work? And how do you how do you get there? And I think people made some discoveries about that. I know that one of the participants discovered that she likes to be in a in a noisy place to do her work. And somebody else discovered that she she can't do it every day. She has to, you know, instead of doing 10 minutes every day, it has to be 30 minutes every other day. Or, you know, being able to prioritize the things in your life in your day. I know for some people they have to do it first thing or they won't do that creative work at all. And so these are the discoveries that we make once we put some intentional thought behind them and most people don't prioritize like sitting down and thinking like what do i need to do in order to get my creative work done i mean people don't right. just don't do that because we all have a million other things to do and most of us aren't making any money from our creative work and when you're not making money from your creative work it's really hard to see value in it sometimes and it's hard to prioritize it and so for the people who came they were prioritize we were all prioritizing it and, and okay with that and um it led to some really cool discoveries i think my fav- maybe my one of my favorite small things that i saw happen was um in maybe it was in the first session i said okay we're going to now work for 10 minutes do do 10 minutes of creative work on your thing. And so I set the timer, people work for 10 minutes. And at the end, 
said, all right, 10 minutes, that's, that's it. And people were amazed at how much they had gotten done in 10 minutes. I was like, guys, that, that was just 10 minutes. Isn't that amazing how much you can get done in 10 minutes? But I think, you know, in our minds, we think 10 minutes is nothing. Or you fritter it away, and I raise my hand here, you fritter it away on your phone, oh, yeah. like with Instagram and all that jazz. Ten minutes have passed. It seems like no time at all because you've been goofing around. You know what I mean? But putting your mind to work for ten minutes, you can actually really make some progress. And to see people, like, realize that was just, I mean, I was, like, giddy internally about that. <laughs> and it was also a reminder for me. I'm like, come on, Tamara. Like, now you know this, too. So stop goofing around. What do you do? You have a thing that you um, a moment that you really enjoyed or a surprise? I loved witnessing how the participants were with each other. Yes, oh, I just yes. thought it was so cool, and they were they were incredibly supportive and open. Yes, I never witnessed even one second of anybody being like snarky or too cool for school or you know dismissive. Not even. Not even for one half of a second. So that I thought that was just a testament to the the people who signed up and and their openness because you know they knew they needed a boost. So that's part of why they were there. And I think that they brought that sensitivity with them to boost other people too. Exa- exactly. Yeah, to extend mm-hmm. that kind of generosity. It was really. I'm so glad that you brought that up because it was remarkable. We. We're so lucky to have those people in the room together. It was just, I don't know. It was, it, that was inspirational. Mm-hmm. Who do you think this type of a group is for, like a group like this would, would benefit the most? Well, there are so many creative people in our community. And one cool thing, one of the participants, you know, never really saw herself as a creative person. And she's, you know, got, got a career in another field and highly accomplished academically and all that. And then, but like, had this inspiration to do this writing. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people like that, that, you know, I have a day job and I do this, but I've always wanted to fill in the blank. Um, or, you know, people who are engaged in creative pursuits on a pretty regular basis, but maybe they're not getting traction. They're not, they just, they haven't put the pieces together or they have all these ideas and nothing ever seems to come out of it because they're so busy with the day-to-day grind. So I think it's for people who, who they know there's something more they could be doing mm-hmm. and they want to do it, but they just have, need the support. They need a push. They need whatever it is to move those ideas from just idea to reality. Is there something that you discovered about yourself as a participant in the group? One of the first activities that we asked people to try was something called habit pairing, where it's whenever I do X, I also do Y. So one of just the the examples that I had given was a practice in my own life of whenever I make toast, I do push-ups. That's just a thing that I do every day. And so random, whatever. That's fine. That's I can't my, think of toast in any other way. Like every time I put something in the toaster now, I'm like, I should be doing push-ups. You should be, you should be <laughs> busting out three sets of 10, Tamara. Oh my God. <laughs> three sets of 10. Well, well anyway. Um, so, th- but that's, a, that's an example of habit pairing. And most people, people in the group did some variation of, we asked them to, to do this for 10 minutes, find something for 10 minutes that they could pair. And a, a very common 
theme was when I have my morning coffee, I'll sit down and do my creative work while I drink my morning coffee. It was very easy for me to do that, um, to make that. It was a little bit of a shift from my normal morning routine. And it was really easy for me to do that for 10 minutes a day for one week. And I was like, okay, I know that I'm kind of a a habitual person. Or if someone lays a challenge down in front of me, like, oh, I can do that. Like, yeah, all right, I'll do that. But I found that what I needed with my creativity was more time, actually. So, you know, I, I realized that I actually have a pretty easy time forming habits. And I don't think that that's true for everybody. And that ties in with a book that we had read called The Four Tendencies, where there's four sort of main ways that people respond to expectations, whether they're internal or external expectations. And for me, my tendency is upholder. So I'm pretty good at meeting both my own internal and external expectations. And a cool thing I think about the group, one of another one of the tendencies is called obliger, where people are very good at meeting external expectations, but struggle to meet their own internal expectations. So, and I think for people with that tendency, something like an accountability group is like, ding, 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 ding. That is just what the doctor ordered. Because if someone else asked me to do it, or I know I have to show up and tell other people, th- that's what I need. But if it's on me to to do it for myself, it's never going to happen because mm-hmm. I'm going to let every other thing take priority over this. And I like that that's actually not coming from a place of shaming that, oh, come on, don't you, you should be able to motivate yourself and have the willpower. And we kind of unpack this idea of willpower mm-hmm. as not a very useful idea and maybe not even a real thing. Yeah. And maybe you can say a little bit more about willpower. And I, I you know, I, I just feel like that's something that really cuts people off at the knees that, well, I, I, sh- I should want to be able to do this or I should be able to self-motivate. And since I can't, that means that there's a defect within me. Right. Right. I, I mean, I think that sometimes people take this idea of willpower and they turn it into almost an opportunity, as I mentioned earlier, to to bully themselves into doing something. And so people shame themselves or should themselves into accomplishing something that they don't really want to do, or they're not doing because there are really true obstacles in place, whether those are mental, emotional, or like more practical, like financial, or just time constraints. And it's important for us to find ways to assist ourselves in achieving our goals. And if that is getting together with a group of people and seeking out that kind of community support, then that's totally valid. If that's finding a friend to call when you need that extra encouragement, there's nothing wrong with that. And so being part of the work that we that we did was figuring out what will help you succeed in whatever creative goals you set for yourself and being kind. Because part of this idea also, I think, is treating yourself as an artist the way you would treat someone who was a good friend or a stranger or somebody you wanted to date. I mean, to invite and be curious and be open to that work rather than 
doing all of the comparison and the cutting down and all of that. It's just, it's not, it's not helpful. So what do you think is for you as an example, imposter syndrome or resistance? What's the, what's the monster you need to, <laughs> what's the monster honey, at, back? The, at the end of this book? Or, or maybe, you know, it's the monster we need to make friends with. Isn't that, isn't sure. that supposed to be the, I, that Buddhist story, right? Where you invite the demon to sit with you and have tea. Maybe. Okay. Sure. Yes. I'll, I'll buy that. There must be a Buddhist story there, about that. Why not? Okay. Well, some of the the some of the topics we we discussed, I've of course dealt with, at, in, <laughs> which is why we talked about them. It, yes. yes, indeed. <laughs> you know, to to differing degrees at different points points of my life. So for a long time, perfectionism was definitely my biggest monster. I think imposter syndrome at various times, the sort of like, who do you think you are? Mm. Why do you get to do this? Um, and I still think that I, I will always be a recovering perfectionist. Mm. There's always going to be that part of me, whether it's playing music or writing, that feels I, – I, I mean, I feel a pit in my stomach even now thinking about showing unfinished work to people mm. – with the intention of asking for feedback, like, oh, God, it just sounds mm -hmm. terrible. You know, I want – there's – I think there will always be a part of me that wants to present this wonderful thing that's beyond reproach, but that's just not realistic. Yeah, and I think when I examine my resistance, I think that's something that shows up is – Feeling frustrated when it isn't right the first time, having to do the work, having to practice. Oh, that sounds like a lot. I'd rather just watch a baseball game. So it's something that's actually up for me a lot right now. Learning music, lear learning some new songs and writing is just keep going. No, it isn't going to be perfect the first time. Just keep going. Just keep plugging away. Maybe you can't play it that fast yet. Play it a little slower, get comfortable, then a little faster, a little faster, a little faster. You're going to get there in a month. You're going to be laughing at how hard you thought this was because it'll feel so easy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think there's still, there is still this, this switch in my brain that wants to say, if that didn't come out perfectly the first time, you don't have what it takes. Mm -hmm. You should be able to do that instantaneously, flawlessly. Like, can you believe – I can't even believe it's Which you'd never say to anybody else. Oh, of course right? not. No. If I'm in band practice and somebody else messes up, like, I don't care. Right. When it's me, I'm like, oh, my God, they're all going to yell at me. Like, <laughs> actually, they're not, first of all. And second of all, nobody just lighten up. It's okay. But but that but that but that is the thing for me is – the the what's really hiding behind the perfectionism is if you can't do this perfectly you're not supposed to be doing that you're mm. not you're not good enough you're not talented and I'm like ugh it just feels so ugly and terrible and but i've i've amassed enough other experiences and enough joy from doing these practices whether it's by myself or with other people that i can beat that back and say you know what i, I Okay, getting old and tired. Oh, that old nugget. Yeah. Oh, boy. Hey, friend, you're still there. Okay. Well, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. And maybe it isn't going to be perfect, but it's going to be good enough. Yeah. And moving on. Bye-bye.
<laughs> it's true. I mean, once you expose those different brands of resistance, those personal brands of resistance, at, at first, for me, at first blush, I was sort of mortified. It's like, really? I think these things about myself? Or really, this is what is the bottom, you know, this is the bottom of this train of thought. But once I could shine a light on that and realize, oh, right, of course, yes, this is my thing that I need to get over. There's something, it sort of takes away the, it's not as scary anymore. And it does become the thing where you're just like, oh, that again. That's boring. Like, that's kind of sort of how I yeah. feel these days. I'm like, oh, look, imposter syndrome, snore. Like, <laughs> but I mean, I still have to do, I still feel all of the emotions, but it's not a surprise. And I've dealt with it before. And so you you figure out ways to hold your own hand through it. And in this case, I found other people to hold my hand through it as well, because I knew I wasn't alone in experiencing these things. And I think the reason that I asked you about this in the first place was because I think that you and I are pretty transparent about the struggles that we have with our own creative work. And I think that that just helps. I mean, we don't have it all figured out, but like everybody else in the room, we are doing something every week to move our work forward. Mm -hmm. And hell, if we can do it, anybody <laughs> can do it. And they should do it because yes. it is a joyful way to live, to to make your own authentic creative work. At the end of every meeting that we had, I sort of felt so invigorated just to see that at work in the room. It's like this is this is worth our time. This is worth worth our time communally to support that work and the and the joy that it brings. I'm actually thinking about the seagull right now and how Soren, he never writes his book. He dies having never written his book. And he said, I've written it a thousand times in my head. I know every line. I know every character. And I, I feel like that's the, when you follow that fear to the end, oh, this fear of everybody's going to laugh at me, or maybe I'm not as talented as I want to be, whatever it is. It's like, well, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Maybe you write a mediocre book. Okay, you wrote a book. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Maybe maybe you don't make your living as a guitar player, but you get together with your friends once a week and you have a great time that leaves you feeling invigorated and happy and is that the so that's the worst thing? Yeah, <laughs> is yeah. that you again like you were saying it it's the once you actually drill down to it and look at it for a little while it's like, "Oh, that's what I'm scared of." Oh, okay. Well, pff, I'm going to go ahead and just do it then. Because it's, to me, I would rather live a life where I play guitars simply with my friends, you know, not on, you know, at Carnegie Hall or write a mediocre book, write a mediocre play, but I did it. It's yours. You it's did mine. It. Yeah. As opposed to, well, being that person that, well, I could have, I could have done it better. I could, you know, I was like, Ugh. but you didn't. Yeah. But you didn't. She did. And you're just sitting back armchair quarterbacking this whole thing. So I, I have so much less time for that perspective anymore. If you're not engaged in creativity in whatever format it is, don't, don't criticize the people who are, who are doing it. Because she's got 30 paintings. You have zero. <laughs> whatever. Right. I don't know. I, I would rather have done – I would rather have tried and fallen on my face – 
but at least I tried. All this is to say <laughs> we have another creative accountability group. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> coming up at the end of July. And this is the last one to be offered in 2018. So we invite people who are interested to reach out, to register, to go to the Artist Soapbox website and sign up. Or if people have questions, we're on Facebook. There's a Gmail account, artistsoapbox at gmail.com for questions, concerns. And we're very available to talk about those things. Yeah, happy to answer any questions you might have. Just please reach out. Artist Soapbox is a listener-supported podcast. To support the podcast, please go to our Patreon site, patreon.com slash artistsoapbox, and give us a few dollars a month to keep this venture growing. For more information, see our website, artistsoapbox.org. Thanks so much, and we're out.